Greetings, nerdos, and welcome to episode 20 of 78 episodes, 30 good ones. I am your red shirt level quality host, Oliver Rockside. Thank you so much for joining me. Uh, we are now, this is marks the two-thirds of the way through our journey uh, this evening. Before we get going, we must thank one of the two doctors I know, Dr. Steve Cluche, for uh, popping in uh, last episode. It was great to have him. I was so glad that we had a episode uh, of some cultural significance to discuss with him. And uh, boy, I think we're going to have some uh, stuff about scenery today because uh, we are very, very pleased to have the great Doug Slater, pizza aficionado, <laughs> pizza god, Star Trek god, oh, oh. returning to join us today. Thank you, Doug, for joining us once again. How are you? Uh, greetings, nerdos. I'm doing quite well, thank you. I'm so glad to be here. Oh, well, it's a delight to have you. I I, I was uh, very surprised to see that it was indeed our fourth visit. Yes, and um, I am going to ask you back for two more visits. Gladly. Uh, because I, I, am, I am holding back. I'm going to assign you the next two mm -hmm. visits that you have. Uh, yes, right. because I'm holding a, back a special sandwich uh for you to review because of one episode in the sets uh because okay. i'm very interested to see what you uh you have to say about it and then if you would like to you uh are quite welcome to join me in our countdown as the fourth best episode of star trek ever and the oh, fourth yeah. worst <laughs> episode of star trek ever <laughs> fantastic yes of course well superb we'll look forward to that in the meantime doug did choose the episodes that we are going to re review today, so I am not to blame. I knew you were going to remind me of that. For any of this. <laughs> <laughs> but we have two pieces of business to get to first, and of course, because Doug's here, we need, we need to give you your usual pizza update. And Doug, I was strolling around the internet, as I want to do, mm -hmm. and I came across a YouTube video on, on a style of pizza I had never heard of before. And that is Columbus, Ohio pizza. Now, you are unfamiliar with this, are you? I, I'm very surprised by this. But as uh, I guess uh, Columbus, if we're talking about the, you know, Christopher Columbus, was he not Italian? So he should know about like pizza, right? You would think. <laughs> this must be how it got to Columbus, Ohio. It could be the only way. Is that the story we're sticking to? I don't know. Okay. Yours is as good as mine. But what I gathered from it was a thin crust, but the key here apparently is the pepperoni. Not only the quantity of the okay. pepperoni, but the quality of the pepperoni. Mm-hmm. Okay. So as I am wont to do, I am going to investigate this phenomenon either this November, but most likely next April. So do you know, are we talking, um, so obviously it's not shredded pep. We're not. No, no. Uh, and is it? You know, like uh, the little cups like you would get in New York with the sort of smaller size where the nice little uh, cup of uh, fat sits inside the pepperoni or is it a, a larger pepperoni? Uh, it seemed to me to be a larger pepperoni from the look of the uh, YouTube video. Uh, there's a whole lot on there. Wow. And anything that's pepperoni forward, I'm in favor of. Of course. Uh, so uh, I will check it out and report back. I just wanted to uh, see if you uh, had heard anything about it. Well, this is this is uh, very curious. This is the first I've ever heard of it. And now I uh, I look forward to hearing your, your firsthand reviews. I mean. Yes. Well, apparently there's a local chain. They have like nine, nine or ten outlets within Columbus. They have stayed within Columbus that have. And I'm trying to remember the name of it. But uh, we do have a few listeners in Ohio who may be uh, familiar with this, who may be able to report back. That, uh, you know, I think that they could be reliable. I think they may even actually, um, there may be a couple of Ohioans that uh, host a podcast about eating food. Yes, yes. I, I, I may have heard that rumor. Maybe a little road trip for them down to Columbus. Yes, absolutely. <laughs> uh, yes. Oh, we can give out assignments. There we go. I'll pay for the gas muffins. <laughs> uh, so uh, now that we've had your little pizza update, uh, we need to talk to Doug about something because he is the last survivor of this particular question. We have not heard his opinion yet about uh, my question about whether Star Trek does comedy well. We've had Candace who says yes. We've had uh, New Jason uh, say that uh, yes. 
We've had Stephanie say yes. We've had uh, Steve, uh, Dr. Steve say yes. We've had Adam Donaldson say no. I say no. How do you weigh in on this one, uh, Doug? Well, I think there is a difference between comedy and humor. Thank you. And I would suggest that I don't think that they really do. Well, to be frank, I didn't think they did television very well to begin with. <laughs> um, but I, I really don't think that they did comedy because I don't really think that they were aiming for comedy. You know, they, there was not, you know, they weren't going for a Seinfeld episode. They weren't going for, you know, uh, uh, even a situation comedy. They were going for humorous moments. And I think in that way, they have done well with humor. But comedy, no, no. By far, by far from being anywhere good at comedy, you know, it's... Um, it's it's I don't I think it's a, a non-starter. No, I agree, and this is something that I I pointed out that there's a difference between I, I put it a different way. Star Trek doesn't do comedy well; they do snark very well, which I think you may qualify sure. in a humor category. Yeah. A type of humor, yeah. Any kind of yeah. when they attempt to do slapstick, like the Trouble with Tribbles, um, like the god awful uh, piece of the action, uh, it it just doesn't work. Well, I think that like. What they do in terms of the the humor side of it, where like in say something like the trouble with tribbles, or even in the the what was the previous episode that we had, where um, you know there was drunk uh, Scotty, um, I think that they you know sci-fi is not immune to comedy. We've seen great sci sci-fi comedy before. Right, uh, it was specifically supposed to be comedy. You know, like right. Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy. Uh, uh, was it Red, Red Dwarf? Dwarf. Uh, yeah. You know, those, those I would say are, were comedy. Whereas even I would say that like, you know, an episode like Trouble with Tribbles was, they weren't going for comedy. They were just going for lightheartedness, humor, or just kind of life, just not serious, um, hardcore sci-fi. And I, you know, really, they never did do much high, hardcore sci-fi. So yeah, I, I think it's just uh, even even some of the the humor they did was a little bit um, thin, you know, perhaps not well thought out. But I was realizing when I was watching these particular episodes that, like, I I think on this podcast I really come across as the guy who, like, there's probably a lot of people asking, like, Doug, why do you even participate in this podcast and watch these shows? Because you clearly don't like this show. <laughs> oh, I don't think that's true at all. Okay, well, because you know, I I started to realize that the the point of view that I have of the show is from a lens that is like I I this show is not for me, in that it is not of my time. It is, you know, a decade. Well, not nearly a de not a decade before, but you know, a good half a decade before my birth, and uh, definitely before I was even able to understand television a good decade before my you know understanding of anything on tv so like the understanding of the the culture at the time and the just the the, the medium at the time um uh, is is skewed unfortunately from you know a uh post 1970s view a uh, viewpoint where you know we've had the MTV generation come and, you know, poison us with fast edits and fast stories and short attention span. I think that that has kind of done me some disservice or I've at least it has allowed me to do some disservice towards Star Trek. So I just wanted to make sure that everybody realized I, I, I appreciate the show. It's just not my it's not for me. That's all. I, I Whereas like Next Generation, that was my jam. Like that was that was my coming of age for Star Trek. Yeah, but that's, see, this is always my thing. Um, if you expend enough energy to critique, that means that you love something. It's the people who go, eh, I can take it or leave it. Then I know that they don't like yeah. the whole situation. If you are willing to critique something, that means you love it. And and um, I'm not, you love science fiction and you've just admitted yeah. that you love yeah. the next generation, right? So you can critique within those bounds I love music. I can tell you that every Paul Simon <laughs> album ever written, ever done was garbage. Yeah. I can critique it because yeah. I love the genre. I love I I love the intricacies of music, much like I love well, the that's, intricacies that's, of Star Trek. Yeah. So yeah. no, we love your viewpoint on this, uh, Doug. 
you know, it's one of the great things that I've been very fortunate about that all of the guests on this particular podcast have had a different point of view of Star Trek and and sometimes opposing mine, which is makes mm. it even funner, mm. whether it's recorded or not. It's a fun discussion. So we certainly appreciate you. And uh, and I don't think you've been too hard on uh, the topics. However, I am well, going to be very hard on the first two episodes that we're going to talk say, about today. I have issues with these episodes. <laughs> oh, fuck me, Doug. It, this, okay, Doug and I may have a fight about which of the first two episodes that we are going to review is the longest 50 <laughs> minutes of our lives. Whew. And we begin with a, just a total piece of shit called shore leave now i'm gonna get in trouble because apparently the fandom likes this episode and i'm like Mm. why it's garbage now there is a backstory to this and i think i can forgive it in one way in the fact that um when star trek was first announced and especially when uh copies of the cage started kind of circulating within the sci-fi community a lot of serious Uh, sci-fi writers really wanted to get on board because this was the first serious Star Trek, uh, first serious sci-fi television show that had been done. And so they all wanted to jump on board. Now, of course, Harlan Ellison, don't worry, we're getting there. Harlan Ellison jumped on. Robert Block, who I don't know whether is considered a sci-fi writer or a horror writer, but he joined in with Wolf in the Fold. And this was written by Theodore Sturgeon, a very famous sci-fi writer. And I would say, Doug, that this works better as a Ray Bradbury short story. Because it certainly doesn't work as a TV show. Because it's just one note. I can see where they're going with this episode. I can see the sort of major sort of viewpoint of the way that this story works. But I think that it, it just... Uh, it just, it's a, I think that it fell victim to um, too much possibility in a way and too much freedom given to somebody to just kind of go, go hog and no, but nobody really like driving the boat. The the fact that, that uh, Roddenberry, I think it was, was like uh, writing this, rewriting this episode as they were shooting it uh, is crazy. <laughs> you know, uh, it right. was, I, I think I read somewhere, it was, there was a quote, it was like, much of this episode was being rewritten as it was being shot. And they would see like Roddenberry sitting underneath a tree, like, like, I see him, I imagine him on a, on a laptop, but I guess he must have had the, you know, the old typewriter out just banging away on it, trying to, trying to rewrite the script. But boy, I, you know, I could tell, I could tell this thing did not really have a direction at all. No, it didn't. And this is why I think that it would have worked better as a short story is because when you're writing a short story, I'm not a writer, but I'm guessing that you got to tighten things up to get it within, you know, 50 pages kind of thing. Um, You're right. There was no focus on this. I realized when I watched the end of it, and I, I wonder if you had the same feeling, Doug. Is this was basically a holodeck episode? Yes. Oh, yeah. Exactly. Uh, but you know, they did holodeck. This is, better. The, this is the forerunner yeah. of the holodeck. Yeah, and, and like, and I, that's why I appreciate it. I guess we should kind of describe what the episode is about. But basically, it is a holodeck episode where they go to a planet that is, uh, you know, uh, everything they think of comes comes to fruition. Really, that's all it is. And you know, and we see that there are problems involved in that. And until they realize that that's what's going on, it you know, it doesn't get better. Um, but, um, I think that it just, it just ended up becoming, I think it just got away from them. I just, I, they didn't know what they wanted it to be. It was all snippets. It was like, whoa. And what if it's like somebody got a hold of some really good drugs or something like that while they were writing it. I don't know. Yeah. We'll get to the serious drugs in the third episode. (laughs) Basically what happens is they find this planet that looks beautiful. They send down McCoy for some strange reason as kind of heading the, uh, the, uh, away team. He sees a rabbit and a little English girl with the worst English accent ever. Of course, an allusion to Alice in Wonderland. So already we're in trouble. Okay. <laughs> it's like warning. And the basic mystery of this um, of this planet is that there's no animals, which means there's no insects, which means how can all of these plants be around them? Yeah. yeah. Uh, that may have been their first clue that something was up. However, uh, 
we meet some randos from the crew. They seem to be a husband and wife team. It's never really quite explained. We get McCoy being super pervy. Oh, my God. <laughs> oh, my God. It was like, no. <laughs> DeForest Kelly is at least twice as uh, twice the age of this woman who's playing now, the omen. I looked I looked this up. Oh, did you, Doug? Look at I you. Was, Research. I, I was watching it. I'm like, good God, this is so awful, so pervy. He is got to be old enough to be her father. I was wrong. I mean, she was 33 and he was 46 at the time. But ooh, ooh that's borderline. <laughs> it's I'm 13 years. Right. But boy, did it ever look like more than that? Like she looked much younger than the than 33. Yes, absolutely. And he definitely, you know, maybe it's the 60s thing that all men uh, over the age of 30 look like, you know, they're 60. Yeah. You know, maybe it's the cigarettes and, 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 and yeah, the, the road to the forest. Yeah. So, uh, but like, as soon as I saw the yeoman, I, I was like, this is going to be another yeoman sexy time. Who's it going to yeah. be with? And first I think it's going to be with Kirk because of that opening sequence where he's complaining that his back is sore yeah, and she starts massaging him and, and he's like, Oh yeah, a little bit further, a little bit further. And then we realize that, he doesn't know that she is the one massaging him. Yeah. In fact, in, inappropriate alert. <laughs> yeah. But to, to now to, to Kirk's um, credit, uh, much like uh, Candace said a couple episodes ago, he suddenly realizes that this is inappropriate. And, you know, he's like, uh, uh, nope, this is not what we should be doing. And he gets up and gets the hell out of there. So I think, uh, you know, at least good on Kirk for that one, you know? <laughs> yeah. Uh, but, but McCoy takes the perv prize uh, for this he wins. one. He wins for sure. He is so scuzzy. I know. And, and Doug is right. We get these little snippets where people think of some, something and they automatically appear and it's all very random. Like um, the culturally insensitive thing of Sulu coming across a samurai, uh, not to mention um, kamikaze or it's alluded to that it's a kamikaze pilot. Which was weird on, in and of itself, too. Like, the first time you see the airplane, mm-hmm. uh, perhaps the, the curse of being on HD and on a television that is, you know, five times larger than what this was probably originally ever meant to appear on. But the first plane we see is actually an American plane. It, oh, has, is a it? Star, has a star on the wing. Right. Uh, probably a Mustang or something like that. And then they cut to uh, the Zero that's coming in. Yeah. Uh, but, of course... <laughs> In the footage that they use, there's actually two planes <laughs> yeah. that are flying at them. But then they only ever really make it out to be one plane. It, it's just so many issues. <laughs> yeah, we've got we've got the yeoman thinking about Don Juan, and he gets very aggressive and rips her uniform. Yeah. And the rip yeah. in the uniform keeps changing shoulders. I don't know whether you noticed that or not. Yeah, yeah. Um, we get uh, we get some woman named Ruth who is gone crazy with a curling iron and uh, is apparently Kirk's first love. Yep. Then we get quite possibly the worst of this episode, and it is fucking endless of Finnegan. Oh, God. Yeah. Yeah. And this was Kirk's tormentor or his bully when he was in Starfleet Academy. And he this actor is straight off of a lucky charms box he just he just goes crazy with this uh it's so stereotypically irish it's not even funny yeah they might as well have just had him drunk too yeah i was i was dying for him to say they're magically delicious i just i watched this don't tell my boss but i watched this episode at work and there were there were three at least points when I was watching this where I I literally said out loud, oh, for fuck's sake. <laughs> and I swear the people around me were like, oh, something going wrong there, Doug? What's yeah. going on? It was like, oh, my God. I saw, when I saw the samurai, when Finnegan came out and with the, the whole the yeoman and, and uh, bones, I was just like, this is garbage. <laughs> oh, the, 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 first of all, we've described Finnegan's acting style which is ludicrous um the next thing is and we're going to talk about this because this happens through every single episode that we're going to talk about tonight is a terrible fight scene 
with yes. terrible stunt doubles. It's like yes. they didn't even care. <laughs> no, no. And I, I was, I, I even sent you a photo at one point yeah. where I was like, I, I, I gotta be wrong, but like this was so blatantly not Kirk fighting yes. or whoever. It's just so clearly the wrong people. Again, the curse of HD and, you know, even watching it on a computer screen at work, I'm watching it on a screen that's, you know, inches bigger than what a, a very expensive home television would cost back in the day. But I imagine even back then they might have noticed it. <laughs> oh, it's just horrible. But the other thing is it goes on forever. Yeah. And yeah. It, it's it's like, why would you... I'll get to this to the end because it's it's kind of relevant to the ending. Uh, so finally, um, somebody thinks about a knight in shining armor. I think it's probably the yeoman. And uh, McCoy uh, decides to, uh, he realizes, they realize by now none of this is real or they think none of it is real. And uh, and this uh, guy in, this guy in armor comes at, at him with a lance. And of course he believes that it's fake until he gets the lance in his chest, and apparently McCoy is now dead. Um, they shoot, because a gun has been found along the way, they shoot this knight in shining armor and find out that he's just a robot. He's just, he's an artificial intelligence. So they begin devising that now they realize that the plant life is not really real. It's all a staging. And, uh, and they look around and suddenly McCoy has been taken away. Uh, so they finally figure out that everything that they imagine is happening on this planet in real time. And then this guy who's the custodian shows up. <laughs> the caretaker. Like what? Yes. The caretaker. Uh, oh man. And like, why is it now that he shows up? Like, why didn't he show up at the beginning? Yeah. You'd think he comes up with the excuse that they, he, because they don't know who humans are. They, he, they haven't realized that they don't know what they're doing. Yeah, I suppose. By yeah. conjuring all of this stuff up in in the holodeck. Yeah. But that leaves a question, because then McCoy uh, magically appears. and yep. with, with some Playboy bunnies. Yes, with some Playboy bunnies, because it is Roddenberry, after all. Yep. But they, they do technically cover up their belly buttons with, like, M&Ms. So, so it's, yes. we're, we're good there. Yes, yes. Yes, the I dream of genie, the Barbara, the Barbara Eden rule is still in effect here. And so they fixed McCoy, so he's not but dead anymore. But we don't anymore. know what happened to Martine, or whatever her name is. Oh, she shows up at the end. No, they don't explain that, because apparently Martine, who is the the wife of the husband and wife randos, she was shot by gets Azura. shot. She was shot by right? Azira, but we never see her come back. <laughs> yeah, we do at the end. Oh, okay. <laughs> She's there. But, the, but I guess they just assume since they fixed McCoy, they we, fixed Martine, yeah, and, okay. you know. Oh God, this um, is garbage. <laughs> but the problem, the problem is, is that, okay, so if somebody gets hurt, they could just be repaired. So that doesn't make any difference what they think of. Right. Yeah. Yeah. You know, if someone, you know, wants to get shot in the head, apparently they can fix that. Yeah. Um, and, and then of course, once they find this out, Kirk is like, okay, send everybody down. Yeah. That's like, what are the guarantees that nobody's going to have any problems? Like that they're not going to kill each other by mistake. Yeah. Uh, this is, uh, there's so many things wrong with this. It, it doesn't make any sense. But the thing, if I can just go back to Finnegan mm. uh, again, it made me realize something because my, the most hated character to me in next generation is Barkley. I hate Barkley. Yes. I hate any yeah. episode that Barkley's in. Yeah. And then I realized that Finnegan is just, the original series Barkley. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> it's like you get a holodeck situation. You're going to get somebody who's completely annoying. Here's what's even crazier is that I think that at one point Finnegan was going to have a, a, like a more, he was going to be in the episode more. Oh God. He was going to have a bigger role and he was going to keep popping up through the whole episode. I think that the name of it was like Finagle's Planet or something like that. And, I, and I'm and i pretty sure it was meant. Yes, I've heard this he rumor was, before. Yeah. He was supposed to be the main sort of antagonist of this. But even to the, we, if, if, we, if I can go back to the fight that they had, I thought it was hilarious that as they're fighting, there is a scene where 
he like he's on the ground and he flips Kirk over and Kirk lands on the ground. Oh yes. And in the wide shot, just is the shot, you know, the the whole fight is going on. They're still fairly clean. They cut to a close of now them both lying on the ground. They are extremely dirty and bloodied. And Kirk's shirt is suddenly torn. Yes. At no point in any of the fight before this has his shirt been torn. But for some reason, after he's landed on the ground, I know. it just kind of rips itself from his body. I know. <laughs> oh, was that was probably Shatner going, you know, I want all my female fans to see some man boob. I don't know. Yeah, I, uh, I it. Yeah, I think I, you know, I think that they had issues with continuity people on on set. I, I yeah. don't think they actually had a person. Um, you know, and there was other problems that I had where, like, you know, the the tiger has a clearly has a collar on it, and <laughs> you know, it's like I thought, like at the beginning of the episode, I was like, okay, this could be pretty good because it starts off with this, uh, you know, pan, this nice pan of an idyllic lake that looks completely normal, and then I saw. Four feathers planted in the water's edge, white, yellow, pink, and blue. And I was like, "Well, I guess they had to put them in somewhere to say that this was a <laughs> this was a alien planet." Oh God! Yeah. Every time it, I see those damn fl- uh, feathers, I know I should know. Oh yeah, give me a crap episode. <laughs> now we should say this because I've stated this in the past that Star Trek is always much better when it's outside, like for real. Mm-hmm. And of course, yeah. they're, they're at Vasquez Rocks. Um, you can tell yeah. that because of the, the, where the fight is with Finnegan yeah. and, and Kirk. Yeah. Um, and, uh, so that, that was glorious. But apart from that, please, for the love of God, skip this. Don't listen to what any Star Trek fan tells you. This is just garbage. Yeah, I have, uh, I've, uh, actually got two words for that. I have utter garbage it was written <laughs> down. and my overall review of this was a complete fucking disaster. So, yes. And speaking of, yeah. um, we must move to our now second episode. <laughs> it is also a first uh, season episode. All three of the episodes oh, we're going yeah. to do today are from the f- first season. Um, now, I have a bias. Um, I love a good courtroom drama. This is not it. <laughs> but, but I do have a certain love for that kind of scenario. Mm-hmm. Um, so we are going to talk about first season's court martial. And I reminded you that Doug chose these episodes. And I think probably within five minutes of watching the first one, I got this note on Twitter from Doug going, what the fuck? <laughs> oh, my goodness. Yes. Within the, what I think it was the first four minutes. Yeah. The character comes in and I just, I cannot believe what I saw. Yes. Where is this, uh, the two episodes that were, uh, the other two episodes that we're going to talk about today took place outside this did not um this takes place at a star base where the enterprise has gone through an ion storm kirk has lost a crew member someone who he went to the academy with and is being investigated like you would for any death of a crew person on your ship it is then revealed that perhaps kirk made a mistake by uh they use a kind of a macguffin of of the actual uh, person who was killed being in the pod that uh, Kirk uh, ejected uh, before red alert, as opposed to after Kirk is convinced he did it afterwards. The computer, however, says he did it before. And this sets up a court martial, hence the name of captain Kirk. Um, this, I, I don't know which is a slower 50 minutes cause they're so close because you will think this is endless. There are some interesting characters in this, especially the lawyer who defends um, uh, Kirk. Um, I'm even okay with the prosecutor being uh, Kirk's old girlfriend, which of course is mirrored in the TNG episode, uh, Measure of a Man, where Picard used to boink the judge in the particular uh, episode. Uh, so there's some parallels there. I mean, I think it's just sort of a law of math is averaging it? that, yeah. that, you know, pretty much everybody has been Kirk's lover at some point. Yes. So, you know, it's bound to happen. Doug said the L word. 
Remember, we only like that word if it's in between the words meat and pizza. Um, that's a that's a Tina Fey joke. I don't the the prosecuting attorney. I think her name was Ariel. Ariel. A R E E L. Shaw. As an actor, I thought she was very good. Yep. That didn't bother me. Uh, now the person who was killed was named Finney. Yes. And kind of the backstory of this is that uh, Finney was farther ahead uh, than Kirk in the chain of command, and he made a mistake, which Kirk reported him for, and so those positions got flipped. So now this is why Kirk is a captain, and Finney is only a lieutenant, uh, I think he's a lieutenant commander, or he's just a straight lieutenant. I, I think he's just a lieutenant. Yes. Or just, even just a command. Yeah, no, he's a lieutenant commander. Yeah, he's yeah. a lieutenant commander. So he is, that's where this kind of professional jealousy has come into this. And um, and for some reason, the court believes that Kirk wanted to get rid of his rival, even though he had surpassed his rival on the chain of command. And very quickly, they believe this. Yes. Um, Which makes no it, sense. Did no, it makes no sense whatsoever, especially with the the fact that like later on during the actual court martial trial, they start to go through all of the accolades, all of the the accommodations that uh, Kirk has, you know, received over the years. And it's like, yeah, well, you know, there in the courtroom and in the bar, which we see at one point, people are like, yeah, yeah, Kirk, you're an asshole. You did this. Like, yeah. they're really quick to jump on him. So I don't know, maybe it's, maybe it's him boinking everything in, in sight. They're a little jealous. I don't know, but uh, they were quick to judge on that. Absolutely. I suppose that's sort of key, key to the point. Yes, but, absolutely. Uh, so uh, the, the computer tape is shown and it does show that uh, Kirk has jettisoned this pod while he's on yellow alert. So the computer makes it look like he's lying. He then gets this defense attorney who has been referred to him by the prosecu- prosecuting attorney. I don't know about the ethics of that, but uh, we'll continue on. I, I don't think Kirk and ethics are really a good mix to begin with, so um, so we well, won't question uh, that. Apparently, in military terms, she would have been uh, required to prosecute him. Right. That would have been fine. Um, if you are told in a, in a court martial, martial case that you need to do this, you you. You have to do it. Yes, but she doesn't need uh, to tell so him the defense, the, the her, her prosecution plan. She doesn't, but she obviously cares for him. So yeah, yeah I you know ethics, schmethics, really. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's very good. Um, so uh, she refers him to this kind of old timey lawyer who doesn't use computers. He hates computers. Who does that sound like? That's just McCoy <laughs> with a law degree, and uh, he puts on this. Somewhat, I would I would say spirited, but it's not. It's kind of it's kind of deferential uh, d- defense until Kirk gets on the stand. And for those of you who are Magnum PI fans, he was Ice Pick. Yes, from Magnum PI. Yes, that. Thank you very much, Doctor Steve. <laughs> I felt that was a Doctor Steve moment. <laughs> so how this all gets resolved is the most bizarre solution ever. Is that. Um, Spock uh, is given a clue about chess. And so he goes to play the computer in three-dimensional chess. And he is surprised because for five times in a row, he beat the computer at chess. Since the computer was programmed by him and all of his knowledge towards this game, the best in Spock's mind that the computer can do is a draw is a mm-hmm. stalemate and i think i think that he has tested it yes. in the past that yeah, makes so. sense in one way but yeah. not in another because as it turns out finney is alive and he has changed the computer system so him changing a recording has now affected the whole computer system well, did they not? Did they not have partitions on their hard disks? <laughs> <laughs> well, they also they also let's 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 be clear about this. They also clearly did not have time codes on their video. No, <laughs> because had there been time code on the actual video of uh, Kirk pressing buttons, we would have seen a jump in time. 
Yes, but the other let's let's assume that they did not have partitions on their hard drive. Oh uh, yeah, okay. Yeah. I still don't understand how that how would, this all would this change of computer programming not affect other systems? Like, you would, would they start you would firing photon torpedoes accidentally at the space station? My only guess is that Finney uh, was uh, tr- not only just trying to get rid of uh, Kirk, he was trying to destroy Spock and make it so that he constantly loses to to chess or wins to chess yeah. or something. I don't know. It's it's just it just it's, doesn't make sense. And then we get does not compute. Is what is what you're saying? It does not compute. It does not Wait compute. A Very good. Is this episode lying to us, much like <laughs> the much like the computer did. Oh my god. It's Star Trek Inception. Yeah, I know. <laughs> oh no. Uh so then we get to the, the, the now people this goes downhill really quickly. Um where they think that Finney is still alive so they get everybody back together on the Enterprise. Then they ship everybody off the Enterprise and then use a mic. <laughs> As a little thing of red tape around it to make it look futuristic, I guess. It's called the called the white sound device. Yes. <laughs> to eliminate everybody's heartbeat until they get to one, which is Finney. Now, if that's yeah. not ludicrous enough, Kirk goes down there by himself to oh, confront Finn, to find Finney and to confront him. And of course, Finney shows up like I've been caught, even though he doesn't know he's been caught. And uh, this begins this fight scene, which is again, it's just ludicrous because now both people, Finney, who looks about 50 years older than Kirk. Yes. <laughs> but probably only 26. I don't know. Yeah. I, I can't tell anymore. No. He's probably, he's probably only 26. So. And Kirk have this fight in the engine room and uh, it's just hilarious because they just didn't even try. And the other thing is, and it must be said, is that, you know, William Shatner was this big, tough kind of, rugged guy this is how he presented why is he getting a stunt double in this i don't know like and which i mean i can understand why they would right like you choreograph the fight so no one gets hurt it's not like he's being asked to fall a great distance they're all it's all just tumbles you'd see it in a grade three gymnastics class well he he does do he does at one point do a like a big body slam onto what looks like the concrete floor or the dance floor that they're on. And I didn't remark on that. That was like, that, that was a good toss. That was a good throw that must've hurt. And I think it was around then I realized, wait, that's two stuntmen. Right. <laughs> and, and like, you know, it regularly happens that, that stuntmen are used for money of these fight sequences. You don't want your actor to get hurt. If they get hurt, then they're off and you're into, uh, you know, you're nowadays you're into, uh, um, you know, a, a, a delay and it's an insurance claim. They're shooting these things in set, this one, I think, got set, shot in eight days or something like that. Mm. So they don't have time really to deal with a hurt, a hurt star. I can understand why they do that. But to your point, it is a pretty lame fight. Yeah, like, <laughs> but, I mean, if, that, we, if we take the body slam out of it. Where is yeah. there a chance that anybody could be hurt? Yeah, well, there was there was one sort of uh, superfly, Jimmy right, Snooker's yeah. superfly move. Um, that's about it, really. Uh, you know, Kirk pretty much, you know, Shatner pretty much could have handled the whole thing himself. And I bet you, even, for, you know, I bet you at one point he said, guys, you know, I could do this. I'm sure he must have said that he could do it. You know, it, it can't have been just by mistake. Just get better, load. Get try and get people who are closer to the actual actors as stunt yeah. people. But like I said, wide angle, small television, yeah. not HD. You're, you know, probably, and not pausing, not able to pause and go back. Uh, it's a new me, Oliver. I have to accept that perhaps it was okay at the time. Okay. That's very, <laughs> that, that's very big of you. Uh, I'm at the bottom of a big beer, so it's probably there we having go. an effect. It, it, it's the logger talking. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, um, so this is how this all ends. Of course, uh, uh, Kirk is is found innocent, blah, 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 blah. The only other notable thing is that he starts making out with this prosecuting attorney on the on the bridge. And I'm like, yes. wow. Um, now, she yeah. does ask if this would be a, 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 a digression from discipline. And he's like, 
fuck no. I'm getting some action. Let's give it a go. Let's see what happens. Yeah. Uh, Please skip this. It's, if I had to, if I, like, if I was put under waterboarding, the threat of waterboarding, I would say pick court martial over, over shore leave, but it, it's, it, it's it's Sophie's choice, people. Yeah, I mean, I have as uh, overall as as an okay episode. Oh, really? Um, okay. I I'll put it to you this way: I was I did not know what the twist was going to be at the end, so they got me with that. Mm-hmm. Uh, I was I was in I was brought in like I had such low expectations of this episode, especially when you know the that first terrible acting scene of, of Finney's daughter. Yes. We did not mention Finney's daughter. This is, I I was accusations of murder against Kirk, where she's just got the over. She, she actually walks inside, like actually side eyeing him. Yes. And uh, comes across as like, I don't know, like the petulant child in a, in a sixties sitcom. Yeah. She is ready to stamp her feet or say, Marsha, Marsha, Marsha. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. And apparently this was like, I think she retired after this. <laughs> um, I, but, uh, <laughs> you know, who she, you know, who she remember remi- reminded me of mm. Nellie Olson. Nellie Olson. Little house on the prairie. Oh God. Yes. Oh God. Yes. Uh, Very much so. Yeah. yeah. It was, I think it was an okay episode. Uh, of note, I think this was the first time that the term Starfleet was used. It might've been. We should mention that Vulcanian is back. Vulcanian is still in use. Yes. Yeah. But yeah, I think that, uh, you know, there was a couple of things there where uh, this obviously, you know, this suffered from HD and larger televisions in the fight sequence. It also suffered from the similar uh, situation when uh, Kirk went down to find Finney in the engineering decks because he's he's wandering around behind, uh, you know, large machinery and stuff like that, which you can actually see the edges of the plywood right. uh, that has been painted on these boxes <laughs> yes. and you know, the, the, the terrible jobs of filling and sanding that have been done right. to try to get these things to look like something. So this is why we love having Doug on the show. <laughs> <laughs> but I think in terms of what it actually did for me, I think it was, uh, it was okay. Okay. Um, it was, it was, I, I don't miss those 50 minutes that I spent watching it. Okay, so whereas um, I gave it a four, you'll probably gave it a five, right? Yeah, five, five and a half. Okay. There was there was also a couple of I don't know if this was a factor of just the remastering, but did you notice that when they started uh the they're outside the planet and they, they zoom in kind of on the on the enterprise and they show somebody walking? No, I didn't on see the that. Enterprise? No. Oh, it's way out of scale. They show like a window into the enterprise and there's a somebody walking across the window and he's clearly like way out of scale for what the size of the ship should be. And then there's the next shot is on planet, uh, of the, uh, or I guess, is it the planet? I guess yes, they are it's on the star planet, base, but yeah. it's the base, the base station that they're on the star base station that they're on. Uh, there's this tower and it's, you know, supposed to be, I don't know, a couple stories high and they have people in that, in that wide shot walking in the windows but they take up the whole window. <laughs> so these people are 10 feet tall. They're way out of scale. And like, you can see them, they take like three steps and they're halfway across the building that they're supposed to be. In. <laughs> well, the one thing I did notice is a consistent thing is that the, the shuttlecrafts look like shit still. Yes. Um, they have a shot shot of a shuttlecraft coming from the enterprise and it, it looks like hell. So um, where we've, lauded them on the remastering especially of the planets which has just been fantastic they still did not have not gotten the shuttlecraft down we have not seen through this whole series we have not seen a good shuttlecraft shot i'm pretty sure that all shuttlecraft is always made of the leftover parts that (laughs) that just never made it onto the main ship right like uh, they they textured the uh the the enterprise very nicely it looks great on screen um looks good except for the minor problem with scale which is in the i think the next episode that we watched or something like that they didn't do that again they only did it for this episode right that i can, that I can tell and it's just uh it's just wrong so, I, I seem to remember watching uh, an episode where there was um i think it was in next generation there was a shuttlecraft that i swear that they used uh mach 3 razor blades on <laughs> like 
Why? <laughs> you know, I'm all for kit bashing, but guys, I can tell that's a Mach 3. Oh, that's funny. You be, clearly, you should be using a Mach 4. <laughs> well, that's our two uh, carbs. Um, now, I should mention that this may be related. As the as a pizza con- connoisseur, Doug is also a bread maker. So mm-hmm. I have a I have a carb question for a bread for uh, Doug in this regard. Um, now everybody knows that the worst bread ever is caraway seed bread. Uh, what is the second worst bread? I think you've asked me this before. Have I? Yeah. Uh, you know, I'm not. I'm not a fan of of uh, super dark. Oh, pumpernickel. Oh, pump. I'm not a fan of pumpernickel. I, I, I'm w- I'm completely with you. Caraway seed bread is the worst. Pumpernickel is second. I would say that these two car episodes as carbs are not caraway seed, but they absolutely are pumpernickel. Yeah, either, either that or a marble, like a, a really nasty marble rye. There we go. It, it has not been done well. But now we're going to get to the protein. And this is also a first uh, uh, season episode. I Do I love this episode? No, I like it because it does some character background and... Let's just get the obvious out of the way to begin with, because I'm a pig. The late Jill Ireland in this is absolutely gorgeous. It is called This Side of Paradise. Uh, I really like this episode, uh, Doug. Uh (laughs) Uh-oh. I give it a man. Okay. Like, it's, yeah, it's all right. It's all right. You know, it's okay. Okay. (laughs) <laughs> i like it um and i like it because of what it does for it, it what it does for spock yes i did enjoy that part. we get to see the pathos of spock living mm-hmm. and it's really the first kind of sign that we see of this and i i think i think there was a great depth to this this episode was written by dorothy fontana the enterprise goes to check on a kind of a pioneer they're kind of pioneer slash Amish uh, settlers who went to this particular planet because they've discovered that these people are probably all dead because of a radiation that's uh, been recently discovered. They land on the planet, Omicron SETI-3, and uh, they discover that everybody's still alive and thriving. Uh, And they can't quite figure out why. And this begins our mystery uh the actual leader of the uh this kind of would would you call it a utopia i think it yeah i think it's fairly it's a strange utopia though like it's it, they're all dressed the same it's an awkward utopia yeah i you know like i would say that shortly was more u- utopic than than this oh no 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 i'm saying that they thought it would be a utopia that's oh, why they sure. ventured out that yes. way yes yeah. yeah i i think that that was one of their their things was that they thought that uh this was this was going to be a great place for them to be. So they're introduced to Sandoval, and of course, here arrives Jill Ireland as Leilani, uh, who backstory knew Spock six years ago. She is a botanist, and the moment she sees him, you know, she's boing. Yeah, uh, <laughs> I was going to use a phrase, but I'm not going to. Um, uh, let's just say that she is. Happy to see him. Um, And Spock, of course, is like, whatevs. And uh, so they're kind of trying to find this mystery of how these people are still alive because they really should be dead. But then they discover that some of the, they, on their manifest, it said they brought animals. There are no animals. There are, there's no insects. There's nothing. But everything seems to be very bucolic on this particular planet. Until... (laughs) Jill Ireland takes Spock to visit a plant. Oh, God. Okay? Now, oh. stay with me here, people. Okay? Because this is basically a, a confetti cannon filled with Molly. Because it just... Oh, everybody gets instantly relaxed. They're all ready for the rave. Um, and this changes Spock into someone he always wanted to be. And something that he's always had to repress. And that is basically the human side. So this allows Spock to get his freak on with Jill Ireland, lucky guy, and and put on a onesie. Um, <laughs> that, that, where does that come from? I know, like, that just came out of the blue. 
<laughs> it's like he's in his usual Star Trek uniform. He gets blasted by the confetti cannon, and suddenly fancy he's in a onesie. Give me some fancy new green duds. <laughs> and apparently it's, you know, like, it fits him. No problem. They've yeah. got it. No problem. They got one in stock. Yeah. <laughs> um. So what I really like here is that um, now, as much as I think Jill Ireland is gorgeous as an actress, yeah, um, she was just learning. Um, but um, I think that what Leonard Nimoy does with this, because it kind of lets him out of the straight jacket that the character has given him. And, you know, playing on a tree is a little over the overboard, but yes, I think the absolute, the, the kind of joy that he ra- radiates from this basically Molly is, I think is quite nice. Now everybody gets shot with this confetti cannon and it's like sudden, so- sudden, like, like surprise Bukaki. It's just like, <laughs> Oh my it's God, like- Doug. <laughs> It's like the worst. It's just the worst. It's, and the flowers, just like this weird piece of foam. Like it's oh like yes, I knew you were gonna comment on the, on the flowers. Are they foam? Yes, I, I I don't even know if it's foam. It's just it's just so like nothing else on this planet looks like this thing. And oh uh, the uh, the fact that it's well it, later there's a, an even worse scene with this thing, but. Oh, yes. Yeah. Those plants just bug me. <laughs> Please make a note that this is the first time that this podcast has mentioned the word bukkake, and I have not been the one who said it. So I'm That's off the I hook. That's um, all I can think of. <laughs> Please don't Google that. Um, <laughs> so everybody gets this kind of, you know, they're ready for the rave. They're all mellowed out, except for Kirk. And we don't quite discover why, because Kirk has been blasted with a confetti cannon. Uh, but it had no effect upon him. Right? I think he was just too far away. N- well, I, no, because he was perturbed at the moment, at the time. Oh, maybe that's what yeah. it was. Okay, all right, I'll buy that. Um, yeah. And uh, so um, we get some really great Shatner acting in some of this. Oh, you know, God. there's a comma after every word. Um, that's usually how I describe it, um, uh, which I love. Um, I love the idea of this episode. Uh, basically, what's happened is that these plants basically thrive on this particular radiation that would normally kill human beings. And uh, there's a kind of a symbiosis that goes on with these plants, is that the plants are allowed to grow within the humans a- as hosts, and then it, it protects them against these particular this particular kind of radiation and fixes them, basically, um, which causes a problem at the end. My question in all this, though, was... Like how how does the sporing of the humans help this plant to survive? Like how is like how are they spreading and making ensuring that the plant grows again elsewhere in and you know like are they pooping out like a seed? What like what 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 are the humans doing to ensure that these things continue to grow? Well, that's a very interesting point that I didn't think about. You're basically you're basically stating that the humans are bees. But the bees never transfer. They don't transfer it, or or right. they're not even they're not even eating a seed, and you know, right. like if if that's if they, I just didn't understand how it is that the 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 plants benefit from doing this to the humans, right? And like I I didn't get it. So I no, that's a very good point. I didn't even think about that. Yeah, uh, I don't think they did. I don't think they did either. Yes. So basically, <laughs> what happens is is that everybody abandons. Uh, the Enterprise, so it's only Kirk's left, and um, and he discovers that basically what drives the the spores out of a human body is is it's not even anger; it's just strong emotions. It seems to be, and so he gets the first thing he needs to do is to piss somebody off enough mm-hmm. to try to test this theory, and of course that person is Spock, and he says some terrible things to Spock. <laughs> Elf with a hyperactive thyroid. Yes. <laughs> Let's not also forget Kirk's. Kirk realizes this that everybody on the planet like has been taken. Like they they beam some of these flowers up onto the ship. Yes. And it takes over everybody on the ship, and they all leave. And he walks up even to a, a red shirt and says, "You know, get back to your station. This is mutiny." And and the red shirt says, "Yeah, yeah, it is." And 
So then we get a Shatner Shakespearean soliloquy happening on the bridge where he's like, lonely, I'm so lonely. (laughs) Like, all I could think, this is, I'm going to write, I'm just going to, I've already said the Bukkake thing. Shatner must have had a huge like Shakespearean soliloquy erection because he got to go on for like, I don't know. It seemed like 25 minutes with his I'm so lonely speech. Yes. It, it lots of commas, like one word, comma, pause, <laughs> one word, comma, pause. Yes. It was all and, there. And he, then he gets sprayed. Yes. But he's so <laughs> angry that, that, or he, no, he actually gets the effects of it and then yep. says, that's, this is when he goes full, uh, poor old Yorick. This is when he, yeah. he goes full Shakespeare about the, yeah. no, I'm not going to do this, you know, yeah. and that's what drives it back out. And he finally gets himself. He, he, he Somehow, he's the only one that gets angry with, with what is happening to him. And he pulls himself out and yes. realizes that he needs to insult Spock in order to save everyone. Yes. So Spock is back to normal. Then he's got to break the news to to Leilani. So he beams Jill Ireland up. And this is where things get a little weird because the spores leave Jill Ireland, but not because she's mad, but because she's upset that Spock Sad. has just friend-zoned her. Yeah. And and so it's, it's not only anger that takes the spores out, it's any kind of emotion. Then we get McCoy with his mint julep. <laughs> deep, oh, deep, yes. deep into the heart of Georgia with the accent. Oh my God! What yeah. happened with that? Um, yeah. and uh, and he's with Sandoval, and him and Sandoval get in a fight, so that leaves the spores with every uh, out with everybody. Uh, and uh, Sandoval realizes that they have, they really have not accomplished anything, which I think is the moral of the story: is that when you're too happy, nothing gets done. <laughs> and I think there's a certain validity in that. Uh, we sometimes achieve things because we want things to change. And uh, and so there's a, that's a very human experience. So I think there was some validity in that. Overall, um, this is this is much snappier 50 minutes than the previous two episodes that we talked about. You get to look at Jill Ireland for half an hour, which is not a bad thing if you're so inclined. And you get a little bit of humanizing of Spock. So I, I give it a seven. I like it. And uh, it sounds to me like uh, Doug is going to give it a five. Yeah, five, five and a half. Like it's, you know, I, I wrote down meh. Right. I've done this in the past. This is this is not my type of protein. Right. Um, I I appreciate the episode. I appreciate the the I appreciate what they're exploring mm-hmm. with with them talking about this. It's once again another episode where being human makes you special and and you know helps you to defeat the bad guy. Right. You know, uh, we've seen this in our one of our past visits where they must get angry or show emotion yeah. in order to, to be saved. Um, I think that there's some, you know, some great quotes in this uh, bones saying, would you like to see how fast I could put you in a hospital? Yeah. <laughs> uh, I think that that was a brilliant uh, piece of writing. The slew of insults that uh, uh, Kirk lays upon spock you know elf and the yes. hi- hyperactive thyroid it was a great insult fest i think that like my problem with it is that i really think that if they if they really want to explore like the most important thing of this is or that i enjoy about this is same with you i enjoy spock's exploration of his human side yes. and i have to remember that it is only a first season episode they're probably still, right. you know, what was this episode? 20 Okay. So, so they're pretty far into it, but they, you know, they still haven't figured out everything yet, but if they really, really want to explore Spock's human side and his, make it about his struggle with, uh, you know, his, his other half or the, his differences, I think there, I think there's better ways to do it than having him acting like an idiot hanging out, a tr- out of a tree. Um, it's probably an issue for Kirk because it just basically removes him from the story. So they need to include him into it somehow. Um, and it, you know, this is kind of supposed to be a, a you know, what do they call it? A, a ensemble cast. Right. Uh, but I think, you know, it's, it's part of the, I think that what, the, the, what, 
the original series and perhaps even I think even to some extent later series tend to suffer from is this like there's a lot of really sort of good ideas that maybe they try to fit too much in one in one episode um, instead of sort of really focusing on on what is the, the really good idea of the episode. You know, they try to fill it with, OK, well, now we need a fight sequence where, you know, uh, Spock punches clearly a foam screen. Uh, right. You know, and like, why do we need to have Bones wearing like lots of eyeshadow in this? Like, did you notice he was wearing a lot <laughs> of eyeshadow in this episode? He was very when you when he stood next to, to Kirk, he looked very gray. Yeah, yeah. So, I, I guess I, I I think that maybe just because of you know what Star Trek is at this time, you know, it's it's television, it's it's light, it's a light meal, it's a snack more than than a meal. Mm-hmm. And I I want I want these stories to be more of a meal. I want them to be more in depth and I want them to actually really explore like as like explore what it's like for Spock to be treated as a, a as someone who is so very different in a world where apparently being different isn't supposed to be a problem and where he is actually struggling. Like maybe he, maybe he feels something to the fact where he, you know, for him to have a problem with being, you know, half Vulcanian or Vulcan, whatever you want to call him and half human, maybe some, for some reason he feels that that's a bad thing that he shouldn't struggle between those two. So is he hiding? Like there's so much that they could do to explore all of that, that, you know, I, I think that they just kind of do a lot of shorthand in terms of, okay, well, he's getting to play like a human. So what what does a human do? I don't know. They laugh and they hang from trees. No, children do that. But mm-hmm. uh, I... Well, I think in Roddenberry's defense, remember that six episodes after this is when Amok Time. Yes. yeah, Which explores his Vulcan yeah. side. I think by this point, they'd realized that Leonard Nimoy was the breakout character in this episode, in yeah. this series that he was the most interesting one to write for. Yeah. And I think this may have been the demarcation point where they realized that. And they kind of took advantage of that because they could have easily put Jill Ireland with, with Kirk, with Shatner. I mean, I'm sure Shatner just threw a conniption fit when he found out that, that Jill Ireland was going to work with Nimoy and not him. (laughs) So, you know, I think that they kind of made that conscious choice and realized that Spock was the interesting one. Yeah. Well, maybe that's why they gave Kirk such a huge soliloquy though. Right. They were like, maybe, you know, maybe, like, maybe he whined so much. Yeah. yeah. Like, let's include you with this. But like this, yes. like again, a surprise flower attack on Kirk just brought me out of it. Like <laughs> it's just, there's so much that just like does not like it again. Like if it was a comedy, if it was, if this was meant to be comedy, I would say that that, like that is the problem with the going back to our our question of comedy is that like a lot of the humorous moments in this are not they're not meant to be mm-hmm. and I, like now i find these absolutely funny again wrong view not for me this is you know this is from a 2022 lens on a, something that happened in 1960 something on a screen where probably you couldn't see that this was actually foam right and maybe you're not you're you're dealing with an audience that's not as you know well versed in you know what fantasy can look like <laughs> you know we haven't seen anything like this before so uh, you know yes we we understand Doug that this is from a this is cheesy in and look and, and look past it at some point but at some point it just it it does become a, it does get in its own way i think yeah the, there's no doubt that it's cheesy i give it a 7 as as Doug pointed out it's not his kind of protein, which in my parlance means that Doug thinks it's liverwurst. That, that, I like that's, liverwurst, though. <laughs> a liverwurst, is, liverwurst is disgusting. Uh, I, so, uh, I will tell up, you someday about my liverwurst in New York story. <laughs> oh, boy. Okay. Well, that's something to look forward to. Uh, as I said, Doug will be rejoining us for episode 25, and he will be rejoining us for episode 27, which is great news. So uh, you'll get to hear some maybe some more terms related to a certain industry <laughs> and, uh, and more pizza chat, which is always look forward to uh, Doug, where can people get in touch with you if they need to? Uh, well, 
uh, for your complaints, uh, <laughs> if you really want to get in touch with you, you can reach me at Slugor on Twitter. Uh, you can find me there every once in a while uh, talking about maybe the uh, Parisian gnocchi that I just made or uh, maybe noticing that there are commercial breaks in streaming services for some reason. Like in, like Yes, episode, I'm very well aware. Like, like they've, they've, they're putting a clear commercial break right in the middle there. But uh, I guess maybe they're planning to eventually have commercials on these streaming services. So that could be it. So, well, I believe that Netflix is go- is introducing it. Yeah. Um, I have both Hulu and Paramount and uh, you know, for five bucks a month, you can get the commercial version for eight bucks. You can get it without yeah. commercials. So that's how yeah. that works. So. In the meantime, you can get in touch with uh, this show uh, on Twitter at uh, 78 episodes pod. Please join us. Uh, as you can tell, we're having a lot of fun because people like Doug uh, come aboard and uh, talk about uh, Star Trek in a very entertaining way for an hour. Doug, thank you so much for joining me once again. It's been an absolute delight as usual. Well, thank you for having me. And um, I hope that people really appreciate uh, what it is that you give to the podcasting world no. um, with with this show, uh, with your previous shows, because um, I think that uh, you are a treat, sir. You are a value. Oh. So thank you. That's for very having kind me. of you. Yes, uh, that's very nice of you to say. I won't. I, I won't let it go to my head. I promise. Well, you can let it. In the meantime, kids, we'll see you in two weeks. Toodles, nerdos. Bye. Bye. <laughs>